Greetings, greetings, you lovely, oh so lovely, and talented listeners, you. Uh, I'm Jason, welcome, episode two of the old Electric Leftovers Light Orchestra show, Magical Mystery Tour, coming to a city and a town nowhere near you. Uh, today, we're talking about some games and other stuff, but, but, before we talk about that, how was your day of, uh, the giving of the thanks? Was it well? Was the traditional, uh, bird of thanks offered to the pagan gods? Did you partake of it in all of its forms, meat and otherwise? Mm-hmm. What, what about the poor tofu turkeys, huh? How come... How come none of them ever get pardoned, except for in Portland? Portland pardoned a uh, tofurkey? Tofurkey? How do you say it? Tofu turkey. Portland, the mayor of Portland, pardoned a tofu turkey. Yeah. Welcome to a new millennium. Uh, yeah. Like the bottom half of a fraction. Dumb. So, 
you got that to look forward to, I guess, right? Plus Christmas, Christmas coming up. There could be special secret Christmas Let's Plays, even though I've only done the one that was Hyper Princess Pitch. And, I mean, I haven't been able to find any of the good Christmas games ever since then. Well, there's like, Elf Bowling and Penguin Trebuchet and Math Christmas Tree Cruncher. I don't know. If you got any good ideas for some Christmas games you want to see, let's play. Oh, maybe Power Blade 2, Captain Saber. It takes place during Christmas time. There's snow and the Silent Night song. Mm, Merry Christmas indeed. Anyway, if you got any ideas, uh, shoot them. Shoot them over. Shoot them over in an email. Shoot them in a, a comment on this episode. Leave them as a thing in the forums. Um, Write it on the back of a $20 bill, slip it under my door in the dead of night, and scurry away. I think one of my neighbors just fell through his roof. So, we're going to talk about a game, but we're going to talk about a little... A, a different kind of thing. We're gonna visit the old interwebs here. Um, because the game we're gonna talk about... Here's, here's the thing. It's generally well-liked. And generally well-respected. I mean, I'm looking 4.24 out of 5. That's pretty good. Um, Metacritic, and we all know be-all, end-all of any public opinion thing is Metacritic. Gave it a 94. I mean... But I don't get it. I mean, a lot of people in this game are just not super... super on board. Um... I'm... We're, we're basically gonna do a review review here. I'm looking here, I see 3 of 10, 1 of 10, 1 of 10, 1 of 10, 2 of 10, 2 of 10... 10 of 10, 9, 9, 9, 10, 10, 6, 10, 10, 1, 8, 5, 8, 5, 9, 6. And more people love it than hate it, but the people who hate it, I mean, really hate it. And I don't know why. Um, have you guessed what it is yet? I'll give you a minute. Okay, um, it's Chrono Cross. Chrono Cross for uh, the good old PlayStation, brought to us by Squaresoft and Square EA, uh, released in 2000, the space year 2000. You remember? Remember a long time ago when 2000 was new? That's really old. Um, so, I have the game. I've let's played it twice. I've played through the game like five, six times. I've done every damn thing there is to do in this game. Um, but man, it just, to this day, I say to somebody, Hey, how do you feel about Chrono Cross? Oh, I hated it. It was dumb. Didn't like it. was stupid. And it didn't, didn't look like Dragon Ball enough. 
No one's ever said that, but that's what they're thinking. You know it is. You know it. Um, or they say, that's a great game. I really love it. I don't understand why people hate it. And I say, yeah, I know. We sound an awful lot alike, don't we? Yeah, totally. Maybe you should pan this so people know when a different voice is talking in the headphones or their speakers. Yeah, I probably really should, but I don't think I will. Fair enough. Anyway, we're just going to pick one. Um, and I think this one... It's so hard to pick one. The first the first review on the list, 3 out of 10. A game that killed the series I love. Then we have a 1 out of 10. Broken systems and convoluted runnings do not a good game game make. It says game twice. The next one is a 1 out of 10. A colossal failure. The next one, 1 out of 10. It's not the worst game ever. Probably. But I really can't stand it one single bit. I think we're going to go with a colossal failure, um, so I can say the name Loopmeister. Loopmeister, Loopmeister, sing me a song. Not with Fruity Loops, please. A colossal failure. Chrono Cross, the sequel to Chrono Trigger, was eagerly anticipated. When released, it was met with lavish amounts of praise. Most of that praise likely stemmed from the nostalgia, and other comments were likely given thanks to Square's reputation mixed with the enormous hype for the game. But when you look past all this, the truth is that Chrono Cross is a terrible game. I'm going to interject after every paragraph and give my thoughts on it. And then I'll have a summation at the end of, you know, kind of like a uh, college course. Um, I will agree that a sequel to Chrono Trigger was eagerly anticipated. When released, it was met with lavish amounts of praise. I don't remember hearing anything about this game when it was released. Maybe that was just me, but it seemed to just kind of like be, oh yeah, here's a game. You guys should play it. Most of that praise likely stemmed from nostalgia and other comments were likely given thanks to Square's reputation mixed with the enormous hype for the game. Um, so I want to address that long sentence. Um, nostalgia for... Okay, the year was 2000. The space year 2000. Okay. He's talking nostalgia. People loved the game so much because of nostalgia. Chrono Trigger was released five years earlier. I don't know if you can have five-year-old nostalgia. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I tend to think that it has to... A little more time has had to pass, right? Before the second thing in the list comes out, you have to have been old enough to have done both. And and remember them, but not in an ironic kind of way. Does that make sense? Probably not. Um, also, I hate when reviewers use nostalgia as an excuse. Um, and most of them, I don't think, understand what the word means. Uh, anyway, picking back up. And other comments were likely given thanks to Square's reputation mixed with the enormous hype for the game. Square had a great reputation. Uh, here here in the West, Square was pretty much RPG king. If you lived in Japan, not so much. Europe, I don't know. I don't know how, how Europe felt about Squaresoft. If you, dear listener, are in Europe, um, how do you feel about Squaresoft? How did people feel, feel about Squaresoft in the space year 2000? Let me know. Um, enormous hype for the game. Again, I never saw or heard anything about this anywhere. And I remember, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing a TV commercial for Final Fantasy VIII, but I don't think I ever saw anything for Chrono Cross. Um, but when you look past all this, the truth is that Chrono Cross is a terrible game. That is truth. 
that is not opinion, that is definite fact, it cannot be argued anywhere ever because it is truth, this reviewer has said so. Next paragraph. Ahem. The graphics are great, the backgrounds are well rendered and the character sprites were good for their day. There are also a lot of creative monster designs, spells, and locales made. Rendered with such detail, it is easy to become immersed in their beauty. There are some problems that some of the color schemes are downright ugly and faded, but these problems are rare. There are also some weird and goofy designs, such as dwarves, which essentially look like armored potatoes. I have no problem with any of that. I think that paragraph stands on itself. From the rating that this person, um, Loopmeister, gave the game, 1 out of 10, I would imagine that this is where his uh, 1 comes in. Uh, I think the backgrounds are great. I think the monster designs are great. Spells are great. Locales are great. I disagree with him that some of the uh, color schemes are faded. If anything, I think a lot of them are too vivid and can be a little bit distracting. However, that is not a large complaint and it doesn't happen very often. Colors are vivid and bright when they need to be, they're a little more subdued when the situation calls for it. It is important to remember that the uh, geographic area in which this game takes place is supposed to be kind of a uh, Caribbean-esque little chunk of, chunk of geography, I guess. Um, islands, a lot of water, so it's, it's very vivid. You know what I mean? We're talking like near equator, equatorial kind of thing. So, as a dwarves essentially looking like armored potatoes, well, what did you want them to look like? Right. They can do whatever they want. I don't think there's really a... Uh, I mean, Tolkien fans may disagree with me on this, but I don't think there's really a... This is what your dwarves must look like at all times. And even then, Peter Jackson doesn't give a shit. Uh, next paragraph. The score by Yasunori Mitsuda is surprisingly disappointing. Most of the music, even in the deep revelation music and final boss music, are only good, not great. They initially amaze but grow boring quickly. Most of the music is rather average, with typical town and dungeon themes that are fun to listen to but quickly grow boring. There's some, then there's some music which is exceptionally bad, such as the battle music and some other dungeon songs. Considering many of these songs are heard quite often, they quickly grate. I'm gonna have to disagree on this. I think this game had a phenomenal soundtrack. I, I absolutely, I loved it so much that I went and got it. And while there are some songs that I choose to skip when I'm putting it together and listening to it, those songs are very few and far between. I, again, this is not something that we can say is, you know, written in stone. This is a great soundtrack. This is a poor soundtrack. His opinion is it's awful. Uh, surprisingly disappointing, he says. Um, I disagree. I think, to, to kind of help explain this a little bit better, if you've never played it or seen it played or know anything about it, the game takes place in this lo singular location, right? This little group of islands called El Nido. And it it varies between dimensions. You have basically the home dimension and another dimension. That's what they're referred to in the game. Each area in the game has its dimensional opposite. But musically, they share the same tracks or at least have very, very similar tracks. Um, they're very, very close at least stylistically, 
or um, theme-wise. It'll, it'll have the same theme in both, even though what could be going on in one dimension next to the other is completely and totally different. That is not as easy to do as it sounds, to have two distinct yet relative pieces of music, both representing essentially the mirror opposite of the same place. Not not even the mirror opposite, just, just a different version of the same place. The gameplay is a mixed bag, he continues on. Good old uh, Loop Meister. It's a typical turn-based system, however you have a set amount of attacks based upon whether you choose weak attacks, medium attacks, or strong attacks. Immediately, using strong attacks makes you have very little attacks, and at the same time you're likely to miss. As you continue attacking, your chances of succeeding with your stronger attacks grows. The magic system lets you customize your characters to whatever magic they want. They can use the magic once per battle, but fortunately you won't need to use much magic to begin with. The battles are ludicrously easy once you get used to the battle system and figure out how to place your magic. Unfortunately, one problem is the quite nig that is quite niggling excuse me, is that your characters miss a lot when trying to attack enemies, even when the game says you have a 95% chance of hitting. You can also use double techs and triple techs in this game a la Chrono Trigger, but the double techs are rare to begin with, not to mention unsatisfying. And the triple techs can't be utilized until you do some post-game secrets. Talk about suckering in an audience. So let's talk about this combat system. Um, you have a set amount of attacks based upon whether you choose weak, medium, or strong attacks. So says our uh, Loop Meister here. <laughs> the Grand Master of uh, Breakfast Cereal. Um, right. What's, I, he doesn't mention that there's really a big problem with that. Um, I don't think there is a problem with that because any other turn-based RPG is pretty much going to make you attack, you attack this character, you get, or you attack this target, this enemy, whatever. You have one attack, boom, you're done. You miss, too bad. At least here, it kind of gives you the idea being to build up combos. Um, he talks about magic being used, but he doesn't actually explain how he doesn't actually explain how the combat system works he just talked about bits and pieces but the way the combat system works is your magic is based on a grid system each character has a unique grid unique to them and they're basically their class there are no real classes in the game but it's pretty obvious that the floating guy with the magic staff is going to be better at casting spells than the masked wrestler and yes there is a masked wrestler in this game so you can pick and choose where to place your your uh, magic in this grid. And every grid increases in length, and sometimes width as it gets longer. As you progress through the game, some grids go the other way. They'll start off small and then get larger towards the end. And as you land attacks, your grid charges up. If you do a one stamina draining weak attack, and it connects, you get one level of your grid charged. And on. A level 2 medium attack gives you 2, a level 3 gives you 3, so on and so on. And the way you chain those attacks together can make your grid fill up faster, which gives you more access to magic. Each spell can be used once and only once per battle. Same with abilities. Characters do have some default set abilities um, that you cannot reposition in their grids. And then you generally have to find their last one. It's usually hidden part of a quest or, or something like that. Part of the grid system that is kind of neat is all the magic in the game 
and the consumables in the game because there's no item option in this game either. You can place on the grid anywhere you want. With a couple of exceptions. Let's say I've got a level 1 fire spell. I can place it at level 1 and it will do basically base damage. I can also place it at level 8 which will do that damage plus you know it, it basically powers it up to what would be that spell at level 8. It's kind of neat, kind of not. If you've got a spell that doesn't really need a lot of boost, maybe it's a spell you don't use a lot but kind of like having it, um, you put it at one of the lower levels and save room at your higher levels. That makes sense, right? Uh, double techs and triple techs uh, are rare, not to mention unsatisfying. Well, some of the double and triple techs in Chrono Trigger were unsatisfying too. I mean, you gotta be honest there. Frog Flare was great for damage, but it was probably one of the most boring things to look at ever. Um, so, I mean, yeah. And to be real about this, double techs and triple techs, there are so many characters in this game. To do in this one what they did with Trigger would have just been massive. And a lot of them would have been repeated over and over again. I just, that's how it would have had to have been done, I think. Follows up, or excuse me, tops off this paragraph with talk about suckering in an audience. <laughs> now, come, come with me. Come with me, dude. Okay, I've got the box here in my hands. I'm just going to read the back of this. A timeless adventure. 20 years after the events in Chrono Trigger, a new set of adventurers are preparing for a battle that will surpass even space and time. Then bullet points. The long-awaited sequel to one of history's favorite adventures. A multitude of playable characters in interwining game scenarios. Uh, unique design elements, random battles, and experience points. And a new visual and audio experience from the original creators. Now, I... I will take issue with the third one because the battles aren't really random. And but the experience points thing is pretty accurate. But nowhere on on the game box anywhere does it says awesome new triple and dual text to use with all your characters. That's just not a thing that happens. I mean, let's open up the booklet here. Uh, pictures, main characters, playing the game, menu screens, lots of menu screens. Oh, the menu screens. Menu screen, menu screen, menu, menu, menu screen. Battles, commands, attack, defend, run away, field effect, status effect, end of battle, status of consumables, ending theme, song lyrics. Great song, by the way. Uh, one-eighth scale of pre-painted, pre-assembled, cold cast statues. What? Uh, the official strategy guide from Brady Games. And credits. Nothing about text anywhere. So, suckering in an audience by not telling them about something that's barely in the game. Damn you, Squaresoft. Weapons and armor can be found and improved through finding random materials. Often these materials are easy to find. It makes you wonder why Square didn't just do away with the materials and make it a standard buy new weapon, buy new armor system without any of the unnecessary crap. 
that is the end of that paragraph. Uh, maybe because it was different, you know? I mean, Chrono Trigger, you had to find stuff in the prehistoric era to trade to get better weapons. This is... This basically does away with an inventory system that you need to manage. Uh, it breaks everything down into equipment or elements. Uh, elements include your consumables and your magic. Equipment isn't something you really need to mess with too much in this game. It is really nice when you can upgrade it. Um, and all the enemies drop what you need to pretty much make the new stuff anyway. I don't think it's really unnecessary to the point that this person says it is, uh, Loop Meister, um, is shopping. It's just a different spin on shopping. I mean, there, there are games that I have played where the monsters don't give you any gold. What a worthless game. Next paragraph. Leveling up characters comes through stats being random, stats randomly, excuse me, being raised. Fortunately, your stats always raise up so that you're strong enough for the next boss battle, but the idea of stats being increased randomly is just bad, period. Recruiting characters isn't so easy, however, as oftentimes you have to deal with fetch quests. Considering that most of the story gained characters are enough to beat the game and the optional characters are nothing special, you begin to wonder why Square would waste your time like this. Yeah, Square, why would you put side quests in an RPG? What the hell are you thinking? Nobody likes side quests in their RPG. God, didn't you ever play Final Fantasy VII, Square? There are no side quests in that. There are no optional characters. What the hell is your problem? Let's talk about this a little bit more. This is one paragraph with two separate ideas. This should have been two paragraphs. Anyway. Um, but the idea of stats raise, being raised randomly is just bad, period. Why? We may never know. I don't think it's that bad, really. I, I think it helps progress the story along because you don't have to spend a lot of time grinding for levels or, or money or anything like that. You can just sit down and play the game through not have to waste a lot of time. You always stay just strong enough. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to, you know, do a minimal run of the game, then just avoid most of the encounters that you can. If you want to do a maximum run of the game, guess what? New game plus, just like Chrono Trigger. Big deal. Um, optional characters are nothing special. You begin to wonder where Squi why Square would waste your time like this. Well, they're optional. You don't have to do it. If you think getting the optional characters is a waste of time and you blame Square for your time wasting because you had to get the optional characters, then you need to reevaluate your life, my friend. Anyway, as typical with Square, the story is awful. You're Surge, just some ordinary kid killing lizard so his uptight girlfriend can skin them and make a necklace. But one day you're suddenly transported to another world instead of crazy reactions like jumping Jehoshaphat's Batman, I'm in another freaking world. Well, there isn't really much of a big deal made about the whole matter. Instead, Serge realizes there are some strange people looking for him in this other world, calling him a ghost. He also learns that his alternate self died in this world. Eventually, Serge comes to the conclusion that maybe these strange people know something about why he is in this whole other world and decides to raid their mansion. I cannot tell you how many things are wrong with this paragraph. Uh, as typical with Square, the story is awful because Squaresoft never made a good game based on story. Apparently, this person has never played a Squaresoft game because... If not for the story, the gameplay in these games is pretty damn bad. It's a basic point-acknowledge, point-acknowledge system, and that is never fun for anybody. You play these games because the story is what hooks you and draws you in. If the battle system is fun, that's a bonus, right? Right. Um, 
Suddenly, you're transported to another world. Oh my god, that's not exactly what happens. Instead of any crazy reactions like jumping Jehoshaphat's Batman, I'm in another freaking world. Nobody ever said jumping Jehoshaphat's Batman. And nobody who would say that would say freaking. Well, there isn't much of a big deal made about the whole matter. Well, it kind of sort of is, but it's not presented to you all at once because you don't figure it out for a little while. There is kind of a big deal made about it later on, but you are a silent protagonist. What do you want him to do? Pantomime his feelings? It doesn't really happen like that. Uh, and this whole world decides to raid their mansion. No, he doesn't. No, you just left out in this one paragraph while you're complaining about everything. You left out pretty much everything that causes all these other things to happen. So, I mean, come on, Loopy. Get on the ball. Next paragraph. Uh, yes, it's pretty dumb. After all, it's not like the Surge they're looking for could be a criminal faking the identity of the dead Otherworld Surge. Or maybe he is the dead Surge who turned out to be alive and is a criminal. Or maybe he really is a ghost. In setting, instead of considering these possibilities and testing them, Surge decides to storm the mansion anyway. The whole matter in shock of, holy crap, I'm in another world, is quickly thrown aside. As implausible as this turn of events is, and the rest of the game is in the same pitiful straits, it turns out that storming the mansion really is the right solution. Of course, this is only because the game's plot requires it. There are a bunch of strange, obligatory revelations about Surge and his situation from a random character, which might not be that odd because the whole world change thingy might have happened to others, and they might just be making a guess on Surge's situation. But there's nothing revealed about how to get home. You'd think to ask more, but no, the characters just decide to move forward, whatever that means, despite this character knowing any knowing way more than they should. Eventually, Surge does get back to his world, but he, does he decide to stay home all safe and sound after nearly getting killed several times, not to mention encountering too many freakazoids for a day? No. Surge decides to continue his journey and go back into the other world, still none the wiser about this situation. And throughout all of this paragraph, the uh, Loopmeister here never gives you any reason as to why this is happening, other than, Surge was bored, so he decided to do it. It's just not the case. The story essentially isn't so much a story, it is a random chain of events loosely strung together and randomly given credence where there should be none. Later on, random people will start telling you where to go, but give you no reason as to why you should go to these places. Of course, it turns out all these places have significance, but then again, it's just because the game's plot requires it. Apologists will defend the game, saying, Well, you don't just, you just don't get the story. Proceed to write some silly story, FAQ, which admits that they don't understand the story themselves, not to mention their explanation is poor. Any story should be decipherable on its own, and lack of this quality is an indication of poor storytelling. Any review should be decipherable on its own, and lack of this quality is an indication of a poor review. Again, he's not giving specifics. He's generalizing the entire game, probably because he played half an hour into it and couldn't figure out where to go. That is my guess. These random chain of events that are loosely strung together are not really random at all. And random people don't just tell you where to go but give you no reason to. There's quite a bit of sitting down and talking and deciding. Where should we go now? What should we do? How do we take care of these things? That all happens in the game. You know how I know? Because I've played the game. The dialogue in turn of events is exceptionally poor. Instead of people talking normally, the speech will be extraordinarily flowery and pretentious and usually makes no sense whatsoever. When that's not happening, happening, the dialogue is insulting to one's intelligence. Example, a stranger you were acquainted with is poisoned and the poison is rare. Someone with you states that you barely know this person and that it's crazy to go and help them. 
you can refuse to help them. The same person who just said what a ludicrous idea it is to try to help them suddenly ridicules you for abandoning them and refuses to help you because you refuse to help a partner. Someone you're just barely acquainted with. Also, there will be tons of references to magic items and other things happening in the game's plot, despite that you really won't know what's going on whatsoever and won't care because either because you're too busy struggling to understand what's motivating these characters. By the same token, some dialogue is there for the sake of obnoxious exposition about character and plot background, which is slightly more interesting. Let's talk about this real quick here. Uh, the speech will be extraordinary, flowery, and pretentious, usually makes no sense whatsoever. Not sure what he means by make no sense whatsoever. I have a feeling he's just skipping through most of it. This is a problem I ran into with a review I did a long time ago. Yes, some of the speech is flowery. You know why? Because some of the characters are flowery. Some of the speech excuse me, is loud and obnoxious. Because the characters are loud and obnoxious. Every character is unique in this game. Every character has their own dialect and their own way of speaking and their own speech impediments and their own accents. That is not an easy thing to do. It's probably incredibly time consuming for whoever had to do that. And to just brush it off like, well, it's just annoying. I mean, look at this guy. He has an extra S at the end of his words, maybe because he holds out his S's a little longer than he should. And why does the dog say rough, rough? That's stupid. Why? That dumb. Dog shouldn't say rough. Dog shouldn't say anything. Just like the silent protagonist who I'm pissed off at because he never says anything. Anyway. Oops, sorry, microphone. Moving on. Let's talk about this stranger that we're acquainted with who is poisoned. Yes. You can say, I don't want to help them. And it's not that I don't want to help them is an option. It's that I don't know how to help them. I don't know any way to help them. It's not a, I don't care, let them die. I've got stuff to do. It's, I don't know what to do. There is nothing we can do. And then, yeah, the person who says, you know what? You, you, there's nothing you can do. Decides, maybe there is something we can do, but we don't know anything about it. I will go try and find it. And that's how that goes. You can choose to help the person, and the same guy is like, what is wrong with you? You crazy? You know, help this person? It's a plot branch. It's a, it's, it's a branch in the story. You're not supposed to take that. And, and, I mean, it's so frustrating to have to try and explain this, because it's not like you have the option of going back and doing it over, right? So the person who says, you're crazy for trying to go and help this person, they're probably right. But you know what? As soon as you make that decision, their decision is made. You know what I mean? Their path is set before you make your decision. And it is based on your decision. So if you say, and, and yeah, he uses this because it's important to the plot. Well, no, duh, it's important to the plot. It's things that happen in the plot. It is all relevant to the plot. That's why it's important to the plot. Just like your answer to this question. It is important to the plot. You will end up at the same place later on, but the road you take to get there will change. I don't see a problem with that. Next paragraph. 
Oh, and the person you can refuse to help I mentioned is the main female lead. I know it sounds risky and groundbreaking, but of course squares betray, Square betrays their inferiority. They refuse to take a daring risk and make a gutsy plot development or story diversion. Instead, they rescue her in a deus ex machina. Squaresoft has never killed off a main character to any video game ever. Right? Except when you start Final Fantasy 2 and you have the four characters and then they wake up and one's gone and you don't know anything about it. Except in Final Fantasy 3 where some of the NPC helpers you have sacrificed themselves to move the game on. Except in Final Fantasy 4 where Tella dies. Final Fantasy 5, Galif dies. Final Fantasy 6 where uh, one of the characters can attempt to kill themselves. Final Fantasy 7, Eris dies. I mean, yeah, Square never does anything like that. Ever, 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 ever. Except all the freaking time. Um, the game has 44 characters. Unfortunately, a lot of them are poor character designs and poor storylines. For example, one character is a boy with a speedo, and you can see the outline of his unit in the character design. No joke. Another character is a walking, talking, sword-fighting turnip. The US version also gave them ridiculous accents to give them character. Considering they felt they needed to do this, I showed out how bland they were in Japanese. Square turned something as innately cool as 44 potential badass characters into a horrible mix of Lord of the Rings, Pokemon, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Terminator. Time out. Time out. Two paragraphs ago, you were complaining about what you're saying is the redeeming factor in the US version because it would be so bad in the Japanese version. I think I know who he's talking about when he says the boy with the speedo, and I play this game a lot. I don't like that character very much, but I don't recall ever seeing the outline of his unit in the character design screen. And yeah, one of them is a walking, talking, sword fighting turnip that was bio-engineered to be a walking, talking, sword fighting turnip. Problem? Okay. 44 potentially badass characters. Just imagine how it would be. And I think you, what's it, Suikoden? I think you Suikoden players will know this. How difficult would it be to manage that many characters who are all equally badass? Right. No video game ever that has very distinct basic distinct classes of characters has everybody being badass. None I can think of. Right. If you can pick characters based on their class, not pick classes for characters, pick characters based on class. One of them is always going to fit your play style better than another. Exceptions to the rule are Final Fantasy 3, Final Fantasy 5, um, Final Fantasy 7 and 8 to an extent. Uh, tactics, Final Fantasy Tactics falls into that group. Uh, because you can essentially have everybody be exactly the same. Minor differences, but essentially you could have a party of the same character four times. Or three times, or whatever. Final paragraph. Chrono Cross is an enormous disappointment, this game is painfully easy, the story is a mess, and the music is decent to horrid. Avoid at all costs. 
Chrono Cross, a colossal failure. Review by Loop Meister. He gave it one out of ten. Thoughts, friends? Crime Stoppers. Let's read some news. The power of one sensitive soul. Lieutenant Colonel Sherwood Baker was turned away from Adams High School in Rochester, Michigan in September by a guard who said a school official sent word that Baker was not allowed in to discuss his daughter's class schedule until he changed his plain clothes because a student might be offended by his military uniform. The, uh, School superintendent later apologized. And uh, number two, the British Embassy in Washington, D.C. apologized twice in August. First, a tongue-in-cheek apology for England's War of 1812 attack on the White House, and then for making that apology in the first la- first place because of a backlash on Twitter from Americans complaining the jokey apology was offensive. People really need to chill out. Yeah. Uh, here's a bright idea. David Van Vliet asked for a certain supposedly public records in Tacoma, Washington, was forced into federal court when the city turned him down. Van Vliet wanted data from the city licenses of strip club employees, dancers, stage names, and real names, date of birth, etc., so he could pray for them individually by name and make his appeals more effective. In October, Judge Ronald Layton denied Van Vliet a temporary restraining order against the city. And, good old D.C. again, uh, a Washington, D.C. restaurant, second, hand, or second state, excuse me, recently added an accessory to its bar menu, hand-cut rock, or i.e. artisanal ice for a dollar extra, but free and premium drinks. The local supplier, Favorite Ice, assures that its frozen water contains no calcium to cloud it. With a heavy-duty band saw blade, hand-cuts 200 to 300 pound blocks in the cubes that ultimately wind up in the glass. A favorite ice founder said his frozen water resists drink weakening longer than ordinary cubes do. How about that? Just don't put ice in your drink. Don't. I mean, if you want to water it down, right? From one who knows. Just like an eighth of a teaspoon. A quarter of a teaspoon at the most. Don't do more than that. Just don't do it. That's going to do it for this episode of uh, Electric Leftovers. I do hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the incredibly long review and the ranting about Chrono Cross. It's such a good game. Luke Meister knows not what he speaks of. Uh, thank you again very much. If you want to see more episodes of this backlog and etc. etc., check it out at lowbiasgaming.net. In the forums, you can find it there, or you can find it at lowbiasgaming.net. Slashy slash Electric Leftovers You'll find some stuff there as well Um, Be on the lookout for a subscribe button For you folks who have the little subscription-y thingy Your iTunes and your Zvipods and your Zvipods And your Podpods and your 
chickpea pods, snow pea pods, pod people, me people's brother. I don't know. Uh, be on the lookout for that. It is coming soon. If you like it, leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Answer any questions. If you have any uh, thing you'd like to hear discussed on the show, leave it in a comment or send me an email. Yeah. Email's a little more personal. We can get a little, a little closer together. Yeah. Uh, Till then, watch out for bad guys. Bye.